You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. It's really a joy to be with you guys today. Um, it's, a, it's a great honor of my life to be your pastor, to be part of this local expression of Jesus' body, Jesus' church. And um, as you've heard, structuring our service around Psalm 90 today, I figured it would maybe make sense to spend some time in Psalm 90 uh, in our teaching time today. So if you have your Bible, you can make your way there. If you're using one of the black hardcover Bibles that Steve mentioned a few moments ago, uh, page 496 is where you can find that text. As the title uh, of Psalm 90 says, this psalm is a, a prayer of Moses. Moses is that the great prophet, as many of you know, the great prophet that God raised up and used to lead his people out of their slavery in Egypt. And this prayer, we don't know for sure, we're not exactly sure of the origin of this prayer, this psalm, but it most likely was prayed in the days just before the Israelites, the people of God, crossed over the Jordan River and into that land that God had promised to give them so many centuries before. So at that point, God's people had been wandering in the wilderness for nearly 40 years. The older generation had sinned against God. When they first were coming into that land, they, they refused to, to follow God's call to, be, to have faith and to actually enter that promised land. They'd sinned against him, so they were not allowed to enter. Moses, too, was now nearing the end of his life. He wasn't going to be permitted by God to enter. So though he was the one that had led the Israelites out of Egypt, he was not going to be the one to lead them in painfully aware then of the brevity of life, as Moses would have been in this moment, painfully aware of the the consequences of sin, and now staring across the Jordan into this incredible future, the people of God know just how much they need God to show up and to go with them, to display his power, to, to grant his favor. So you can think of Psalm 90 as an honest, realistic, but incredibly hopeful prayer for the favor of God. An honest and realistic, but incredibly hopeful prayer for the favor of God. And as a church that's turning 10 today, that seems like a good, as good a place as any for us to, to be. Speaking for myself, and I would imagine others of us who have been around for this decade, um, we're a lot more honest and realistic than we, used, than we were 10 years ago. Uh, we're a lot less naive than we were 10 years ago. And at the same time, I find myself this morning incredibly hopeful, incredibly grateful for what God's done, and as eager as ever for God to show us even more of his favor and to lead us into this incredible future, to lead us into the mission that he has given to his church and he's given to us. So let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into Psalm 90. Let me pray. Lord God, help us even now in this moment by the power of your spirit. Help us to know your ways. Lead us in your truth and teach us. For you are the God of our salvation. And it is for you that we wait all day long. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Listen now with open ears to this book that we love. This is Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. 
You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor, verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. May God bless the reading of his word. This whole psalm, Moses' prayer, is based on the contrast between God and humanity. And I hope you heard it as we just read it a moment ago. God is eternal and we are fleeting. A thousand years is a really, really long time to you and I. A really long time. But to God, it's just as a watch in the night, just a few hours. God has been our dwelling place. We were created to find our home, our refuge in God. But as we know from the story of the world of, of history, that we sinned. We rebelled against God. We thereby brought corruption to his good creation and we brought death upon ourselves. Verse three here is a reference to Genesis chapter three. Because of humanity's sin, we return to the dust. We die. At best, most of us will get 70 or 80 years and many of us will get fewer than that. And so our lives are divided lives. Our lives are conflicted meant to rest in God as our dwelling place, but characterized by toil and trouble and affliction and evil because of sin and all of its effects. And have we, have we not learned that together these past 10 years? We have seen God be our dwelling place. We have seen God sustain us and bless us. He has brought incredible people like you to be part of this church family. He's brought leaders He's blessed us with facilities. He's blessed us with finances. All of those things. And we have also seen sin steal and try to steal so much in friendships, in marriages, with addictions, with mental and physical illnesses. We're only a quarter of the way to 40. We're only a quarter of the way to 40, but like the Israelites in their wilderness wanderings, we can say with them, God has been with us, and at the very same time, we're not yet home. And we're really aware of the, both of those things. So that's the first 11 verses of Psalm 90. 
And, and they set the stage for the pleading, the request that Moses makes of God in those final six verses. So let's this morning allow Moses' prayer to shape our own prayers as a church that's turning 10. So first, look again at verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And you can picture here Moses writing as an old man and knowing, very aware in that moment, of how fast a lifetime passes. How much you will want some of those moments, some of that time back, if you use your time for things that don't really matter. And so we pray with Moses, we pray this morning that God would make us wise before our time, before we're at the end of our life and reflecting back on it. I'd invite you to even consider this morning, where were you 10 years ago today? What, what, what does the last 10 years look like for you in your life? Some of you 10 years ago were, were with us, worshiping on the first day that we gathered as a church family. But how old were your kids if you even had kids 10 years ago? Who were your friends What were your aspirations? How did you spend your free time? And did you have a ton more free time 10 years ago than you do right now? For me, 10 years, these 10 years have felt like at least a couple different lifetimes. And this church has felt like at least three or four different churches, even though we've only been one church. And that's just 10 years. That's just 10 years. It's not even a watch in the night. The next 10, no doubt, will pass just as quickly, if not faster than that. And so we ask God today for the wisdom to follow him faithfully and to become even more effective and fruitful in the work that he's given us to do. Second, verse 13, return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants? We pray this morning that God keeps pouring out his pity, his compassion on us. As I mentioned just a moment ago, by God's grace, we're less naive now than we were a decade ago, which means that though we are no less saddened by what sin is capable of, we're actually a lot less surprised. We're a lot less surprised by it. And that makes us a more mature church. That makes us a more mature church. Crying out to God like this, return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. That doesn't drive us to despair. That keeps us dependent. It keeps us in this good place of longing for God to keep showing up and to go with us. It keeps us humble. It keeps us attentive to God. May it be said of us that we were more attentive to God in our second 10 years than we were in our first. Third, verse 14, satisfy us with your steadfast love. It's really easy to look for satisfaction in something else. It's it's really easy to make everything in our lives non-negotiable. So how might that play out in the life of of a local church like ours? Well, maybe in order for us to be a good church, we absolutely need this kind of staff team, these kind of programs, this kind of church facility, these kinds of partnerships in our community, in our region. All of those things matter. They're all important. But there is no faster road to disappointment, to disillusionment, than to make all of those things non-negotiable. And so instead, this morning with Moses, we pray that God would satisfy us with what? With his steadfast love, with his covenantal love, that he is our God and we are his people. That even when we don't, don't uphold our end of the bargain to follow him faithfully, he is right there upholding his end. 
Let us be satisfied in that. Let's pray for satisfaction in only in God's perfect and steadfast love. There is no satisfaction elsewhere. Fourth, verse 15, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil. Now, God has been abundantly kind to us in these past 10 years. So broadly speaking, I would not characterize the last decade as years of affliction and years of evil. I know from being involved in your lives, from being invited into some of those places, that some of you and what you've experienced in the last 10 years might describe those 10 years that way. But here's what we can take away from this on our 10th anniversary. We pray for renewed joy in the midst of our sorrows. We pray for God to make us genuinely glad in the midst of evil and while our work remains unfinished. Our 70 or 80 years, if we get that many, these are years of both joy and toil. They are years of both trouble and gladness. The Apostle Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians, we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. And that should actually make our rejoicing that much more vibrant and that much more genuine. I'd invite you to think about this this morning. Christians should be the best celebrants. We should be the best celebrants. I'm grateful for how we even get to do that together today. And many of you got to come early for our coffee hour and have cake and just celebrate a little bit. Just pause and soak it in and enjoy the joy of this day. As people who are honest and realistic about sin and its effects, we should throw some incredible parties. We should be people who sing really loudly when it's time to sing. We've stared evil in the eyes. We've tasted affliction. We have been to the house of mourning. And so when it's time to go to the house of feasting, we should know how to feast. We should feast well. How's that for a prayer for our next 10 years? I hope that in the next 10 years, we feast more. I hope we're characterized by more vibrant, more contagious joy that God would make us glad even in the midst of evil, even in the midst of an unfinished work. Fifth, verse 16, let your work be shown to your servants, your glorious power to their children. The Israelites had seen a lot of God's power on display. But if you think about their their story and what they'd been through in those 40 years, most of the display of God's power that they'd seen were God's wrath against sin. They'd seen God punish the Egyptians for enslaving the Israelites. They'd seen God call them to account for their own sins, their own rebellion against God. And God's wrath is part of his work. It's part of his work of justice. But because they know God, because they know his heart and character, they know in this moment as they pray, there's a greater work of God coming. There's grace coming. There's mercy coming. God is making a way for them. Something is coming that will, as one author put it, meet the demands of justice and righteousness and therefore bless sinners in spite of their sin. And so we pray with the people of God this morning, let us see it. Show us, God. Show us your power applied mercifully. Show us even greater works than we've seen. And don't just show us, show our children, the next generation. Display your power so incredibly, it far outlives our mist of a life. Let's pray that what God does here would have massive ripple effects beyond us, generational ripple effects, society transforming 
ripple effects. Whether we ever get to see some of those things or not, we pray today that God would do abundantly more than all we ask or think. And then finally, 6, verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Liberty Church, the, the only reason that we are where we are today in 10 years is because the favor of the Lord has been upon us. It's the only reason. He has, in so many ways, established the work of our hands. I hope you got to hear that as Shay shared it with us during the, the call to worship. Look at what God has done in a decade. 67 people baptized, people experiencing Jesus becoming big and beautiful again, getting to be part of helping 10 churches get planted, giving away more than half a million dollars to church plants and ministries of mercy. What I, what I need you to hear this morning is we presume nothing. We take credit for nothing. We boast in nothing except that is the favor of God upon us. And as we thank God for that today, we cry out to him that he would keep pouring that favor out even more for the next 10 years, that he would ever more establish the work of our hands. If God does not build this house, Psalm 127, we labor in vain. We labor in vain. So men and women, this is a prayer that we need God to keep answering. Every decade, every year, every week, every day, every hour. But we get to pray this way. We dare to pray this way with some confident expectation because why? Because God has answered these prayers in Jesus. God has had pity. He's had compassion on us while we were yet sinners. Christ has died for us. God has satisfied us with his steadfast love. We were restless. We were faithless. Jesus remained faithful and now he is the one who gives rest to our weary souls. God has shown us his glorious power. We are witnesses, even in what we've seen together in the last 10 years. Satan has fallen like lightning from the sky. Sin and death have been defeated at the cross. And we get to be part of pushing back that darkness in the world. God's favor is upon us. Why? Because of Jesus. All of God's promises find their yes and their amen in him. And as Paul writes in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. There is no more wrath on you. There is nothing left for you because of Jesus. There is nothing left for you but God's favor in him. And in Jesus, God will establish the work of our hands. Our labor in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, is never in vain. And I hope you're as encouraged about this as I am. Not one second of the time you have spent in service of Jesus, not one ounce of the effort that you have given, whether it's been here in this local church or another one, not one ounce of that is wasted. Not one ounce. It is not in vain. So Liberty Church, as we get ready to come to this table for the 500 and something time this morning, may you be satisfied in the steadfast love of Jesus. May you be filled with gladness and rejoicing for all the sin we still see in this world, for all the sin we still battle in our own hearts, here at this table is the greater work of God. Here is the greatest work of God. Jesus has offered up his body and his blood for your life and for the life of the world. We asked, the people of God for generations asked to see, and God said, here it is. 
Here is my glorious power applied mercifully. Here is my love. Be satisfied in it. As we have seen that these past 10 years, may we see even more of it for the next 10. Ever more honest, ever more realistic. May we be ever more hopeful. And may God establish the work of our hands in Jesus Christ. Surely he will. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. We praise you, Father, for making your divine truth real to us in Jesus, for answering the prayers of our forefathers, of those who went before us and longed for the day that they would see you. We see you. We see at this table your greatest work, your love poured out for us. Help us to now be satisfied in it. Make us glad today in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of the evil that remains in this world. Make us glad today. Make us long for the day that you will come again in glory, that you will take us to be with you in your eternal kingdom. Fill us now with awe and admiration for what Jesus has accomplished. Give us grace now by the power of your spirit as we come. We pray all this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.